So I guess Zeke isn't here, so we won't do a typical cold open. Sounds good. But I'll mention the fact, I'll do a cold open anyway with you, because it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't know that Zeke's not here. He could be here, because I still think he might be invisible. It is kind of a, a thing <laughs> with the trail and the guild that Zeke does not exist. Yeah, so Zeke could be right there. He could be sitting right next to me, and I just don't realize it. He used to have a mustache, which made it easily identifiable for him. <laughs> I've even gone so far for y'all and tried putting pictures of Zeke and I up on social media so that you could see that like I am touching him and he is not me. And again, I still believe you could have hired an actor off the street. <laughs> so I'm not sure that I believe that Zeke actually exists. What is I it? still like the picture of you like with two microphones, like hopping back and forth between the two and doing two different voices. Well, no, didn't you say like the first time we met, you were like, we all think that you in post you sit there and you record your voice and then you're like hey i'm zeke like and then do that well and see when you fake the southern accent i less believe i, I more believe there's someone else here but what if i'm faking it so bad <laughs> just to throw you off the trail just i mean if i was sure. really gonna do a good southern accent i would not make it sound like zeke <laughs> He does have a pretty good one, though, but I'll give him give him that for sure. He does. All right, let's start the show. Okay. One, two. Hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards, and I am San Zeke Baker, but together we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. And before we start this show, we have an amazing guest here, the first guest in the Dad's Drinking Bourbon studio. The sound quality is a little bit better. We're a little more comfy in here. It's good times. Want to let you know today's show is sponsored by Cast Cartel, changing the industry standard in how you receive your alcohol. If you want bourbon, whiskey, you want Amaro vodka tequila gin whatever it is go to cascartel.com they will ship whiskey directly to your door they are like the amazon of the spirits industry so what you do is you go on there there's a whole bunch of merchants just like amazon the way it used to be and they will hook you up with a merchant that merchant will ship it to you you'll sit on the comfort of your own couch or doing a million things at home like you always do and then it'll just show up at your door so go to cascartel.com Get your liquor shipped to the door, and then also follow them on Instagram at Cast Cartel. They are always doing awesome giveaways. As you heard from our previous show, they did a huge Pappy giveaway recently. They gave a bunch of old Rip 10 samples out to people, Pappy 23, Lot B. We got to get all of them and then do a cool little blind tasting with it, but go to Cast Cartel on Instagram. That being said, let's start the show here with my wonderful guest, you know her, you love her, or you might not know her yet. And this is kind of your coming out party. Sure. Sarah Beth Urban, the executive director of the Tennessee Whiskey Trail. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. I've been listening to the podcast for a while now, and I'm excited to finally be in the famous studio that's brand new. Well, you are here before <laughs> Zeke, so I hope you like take pictures and tell him what it's like. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be sure to let him know. Yeah, give him a text like, hey, I'm in your studio. Where are you? <laughs> we don't always get Zeke for every episode. We would love to get him for every episode, especially the ones where we travel. And we met, you had just come on. We were at Grains and Grits Fest. Yes. And I actually met your husband 
before I met you, I think. I yeah. was at a bonfire <laughs> with your husband <laughs> drinking. Yes, I had already um, gone to bed that night, mainly because I am expecting my second child at the moment. So late nights are not my forte right now. <laughs> Which it's kind of funny because you are in this room. This this room does have a lot of whiskey. I'm surrounded we by it. Typically, always are drinking whiskey on every episode of Dad's Drinking Bourbon. This will be a drinkless episode. (laughs) The first one ever. (laughs) Yes, I've got a very tall glass of water and that's about it. I um, have almost completed the Tennessee Whiskey Trail and I'm the first person to do it without drinking a single drop of Tennessee whiskey along the way. Do they still give you a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt? I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) I'll have to find out. (laughs) Like if you half-ass it, they not. If you do the the whiskey trail sober, do you still get a t-shirt? Yeah. Like I designated drove the Tennessee whiskey trail. (laughs) It's like, no, you just drove around the state. That doesn't count. (laughs) You got to see some nice sights and mountains and eat good food. Yes, I did. And meet very interesting people. This is not like an old time thing. You recently came on. I mean, yes. we're talking months, right? Yes, I'm a f- three months in. I started October 1st. Where were you before you got to the Whiskey Trail? Let's get all that out of the yes. way. And you and I have talked about this. I know you could talk about it for a long time. So we'll probably condense it down a little <laughs> bit. But where were you and how'd you get here? Yeah, so um, I'm actually from the Nashville area originally. Um, and I went to MTSU and got my uh, degree actually in history. And my master's is in museum management. So my first job out of grad school was actually at a historic house museum. And that's really where I learned the ins and outs of running an organization and working with a board of directors, just kind of event planning everything from, you know, running weddings to giving tours to everything in between. From there, I actually went to Tennessee tourism for the state. So I was there for three and a half years working in Middle Tennessee. It was the Middle Tennessee division manager. So I worked in all 40 counties in Middle Tennessee on marketing and promotion, developing relationships, talking to them about grants, you name it. It was just kind of acting as a liaison between those counties and our department to really help them further their tourism goals. And probably the coolest part of that was that I visited, I mean, I visited more than just my 40 counties in middle, but every single county in Tennessee has something worthwhile to visit. I have yet to find one county that does not have some sort of awesome hidden gem or great restaurant or great distillery that you can go and visit. So I was at tourism for three and a half years. Which county has the biggest rubber band ball in Tennessee? Well, now you're going to stump me. Who has the biggest rubber band ball? Well, I don't know. I mean, those are the things like when you're driving (laughs) on the highway and it's like, come see the biggest ball of yarn. No, but there is a giant chicken wire statue of Minnie Pearl in downtown Centerville that I probably have 20 pictures on my Instagram feed with (laughs) because I just take one every... Because I mean, how often do you see a giant chicken wire statue of a country music celebrity? (laughs) How how often do you see a giant chicken wire statue ever? (laughs) Well, I mean, it's Tennessee. So, you know, there's bound to be at least a few. <laughs> anyway, we digress. So you're there. Yes. So I'm at tourism um, when the whiskey trail launched in 2017. So I got to kind of see it from its infancy and realized very early on how much potential that had. It's such a an amazing asset, not only for our state and for tourism, but also for the economy, for agriculture development, for sustainability and conservation. Um, there is a ton of potential there. And so um, when the opportunity came up for me to move over to the whiskey trail, I I jumped at it because I just feel like it's such an opportunity. 
even so, though I was pregnant at the time. <laughs> it, it's okay. <laughs> but you are a fan of whiskey outside of absolutely. pregnancy. Yes, absolutely. Um, I Yeah, fan of all of the different Tennessee spirits from beer and wine to whiskey. So what were you drinking then before you got pregnant a second time? Because you probably had a little window. I mean, your your little guy's three. Yes. So then you probably only really had a, a small window within there to actually enjoy to spirits actually ex- again. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very small window. So I don't know that I I don't know that I explored enough of the Tennessee whiskey trail before then, but I know what I'm gonna be exploring now. <laughs> so not to ask a personal question, <laughs> but what change because I know taste buds can change after pregnancy. Yes. Was there anything that you really enjoyed before you were pregnant that after you were like, I mean, we're get, I mean, we are dads drinking bourbon. We yeah. can talk about this. No, stuff. absolutely. So I think probably the, and this isn't even like after my pre, like my pregnancy. It's between pregnancies. With my first one, I craved hot chicken all the time. Like I always wanted something spicy, in particular hot chicken. This second time, I can't tolerate spicy food. Spirits wise, did you really like? Like IPAs before, then after, you were like... No, I still think IPAs taste like eating a flower. (laughs) (laughs) All of the breweries in Nashville just kind of like sunk their head down. They all make great things that aren't... I mean, I like a a lighter IPA, but my husband is one of those ones who wants to like feel like he's eating a sunflower as he's drinking a beer. And that's just not me. I don't think IPA is a sunflower. (laughs) I just think... Some sort of flower. It's like eating some sort of herb. Um, And I'm just... I like it a little bit more mellow. I'm more of a nut brown kind of ale person. Fair. There is a whiskey that is a nut brown finish. And I really like the Black Bell from Bellmead. And there is another distillery that finishes in a nut brown ale. And I don't like it. I'm not a nut brown ale guy. I just, I don't know why it's not my favorite thing in the world, but you know, there's plenty of, be- that's why there's plenty of whiskey and there's plenty Absolutely. of beer. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it also depends on what season I'm in because during the summer, I'm more of a Hefeweizen, ah. but during the winter, I want something a little bit darker, a little bit richer or some whiskey. So you know exactly what you like, which is good. And you are coming in here. You've taken these three months as you are expecting another kid to travel around and just get to know everyone. You're in digestion mode but you are also going out of your way to kind of, I mean, I don't think that has been there in the past. I mean, granted, the trail's only two years old. I think the trail was very focused on lobbying and craft spirits in those first two years, but kind of talk about what you've been doing these first couple of months. I want to get into that lobbying versus tourism thing in in a minute, but Talk about what you've been doing. Talk about what you've been finding out. Like, what do you find really interesting as you probably didn't know about all these places? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are 27 distilleries on the Tennessee Whiskey Trail. So I think the biggest, my biggest challenge up front and the biggest thing I wanted to do was go out and meet each person who works at those distilleries and talk to them about what have been their challenges, what have been, you know, the successes that they've had, what products are they really proud of? What are their expansion plans? Um, and it's been amazing from, you know, our legacy brands like Jack Daniels and George Dickel to the brand new guys who've just started up like Lost State in Bristol, or your smaller ones in um, like Short Mountain. Um, you've got these amazing brands and everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own unique reason for why they opened a distillery, whether it's 
honoring family heritage like Nelson's Greenbrier and Old Dominic, or it's, hey, I was, I've been distilling in my garage since I was 16. Isn't that Keener? <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't open Old Forge. He just got the distiller position. Well, yeah, no, but everybody has a different reason why they're in this industry. I like Keener. <laughs> When he tells that story and he goes, you know, I was a firefighter and I was doing this on the side and I got the, I ended up getting an actual permit. Like he got a, a farm right. permit. Yeah. And then he goes, I was making fuel for the soul. And anybody yes. that's met Keener and just you hear him and, and you watch his face as he says, like, I was making fuel for the soul. Oh, yeah. And it, it just makes sense. Absolutely. But everybody, they just... To a degree, it's just really cool to see why so many people have come to this industry. And again, it's the spirits industry. So everybody, for the most part, is in good spirits um, when I go around. And it's been probably the thing that I've loved the most is how welcoming everybody has been. There, I don't come from a distillery background. You know, I come from a tourism and marketing background. But everyone has been just so welcoming, so over the top with explaining things to me and talking me through steps and processes so that I can learn more about it. And I've just been fascinated by the culture behind it. They're like, see, this is a still. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> this, this is, is a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do take it slow sometimes, which I appreciate. But um, no, I've, I've enjoyed smelling a lot of the products too. They smell great. I can, I can vouch for that. You know, you do have more to women over men. Women actually have better senses of smell and better taste buds than we do. So you're smelling. I can only imagine. Well, and then with pregnancy, with pregnancy, you have like we call I call it wolf nose because I can smell everything, good and bad. Unfortunately, it's actually been kind of nice being like when I went to Old Dominic, they actually did a flight for me so that I could smell each one. So that was fun. That also opens up another funny story is. So my first son is James David, and um, the the guild members, they're already starting to call him JD for Jack Daniels instead. And my second son, this was not planned, but <laughs> we are naming him after my husband's... You're naming him George Dickel? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're... My husband is Italian. He's half Italian, so we're naming him after my husband's great uncle. And I kid you not, his name is Dominic, and it's spelled the exact same way as old Dominic out of Memphis. <laughs> So we've got a bottle of their hot toddy to pop open um, in in the hospital <laughs> post baby. And I've got a chicken for him too. I bought one of their roosters. Plus, you know, now it just, I've got a great opportunity for old Dominic to meet new Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. He, they're really going to uh, have a whole lot of fun with you. Oh, there's going to be so much fun. Well, of course, my first day on the job, when I told them what we were naming our first son and how technically I have two children, two boys named after distilleries, is they were like, how many more kids are you going to have? I was going to say, you know, I, mean, I don't think like old Smokey has a really good ring to it for a kid. <laughs> I always think like, you know, Charlie Nelson, I don't know why he doesn't go by Chaz. If you saw the old Nelson's Greenbrier ads, oh, okay. it all says Chaz Nelson. Nice. But Chaz makes you think of like the 80s guy <laughs> that was in those like Alpine skiing movies. Yes. He's like, hey, man, I challenge you to go down the K2 tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like... Good old Chaz. <laughs> Chaz, you just expect to have like a spiky, yes. like a buzz spike haircut and like wear sunglasses and a big pink neon <laughs> shirt. <laughs> 
So maybe that's why he doesn't go by Chaz. <laughs> maybe that isn't. <laughs> and and anybody that's met Charlie is he's definitely not a a Chaz. No, he's not a Chaz. No. Yeah. So you've come over, you've met with people, even a lot of the stuff that we found, and I think it's it's really interesting just in our position on the podcast, everybody we talk to, there seems to be similar issues, but it's almost like there's three different camps within the Tennessee Whiskey Trail. You have your traditionals, like your Dickles and your Jack Daniels, and I would even say kind of Nelson's is getting into that realm of... Yeah not necessarily being the the traditional craft they have wider distribution so you have your your traditional whiskey houses you have your mom and pop shops you know you have those those owner operated your billies at short mountain stanton at postmodern tim down at chattanooga although chattanooga's growing and and getting bigger and bigger you have heath clark you have lee over at leaper's fork Mm -hmm. you know so you kind of have these smaller places then you have the moonshiners out in east tennessee it's like three different camps all with different goals all with different needs some of the people we talk to talk about like storage is a huge issue some people talk about you know it could be the price of grains or just like there are different things for different how how are you going to make everybody happy well and because you mentioned three different camps there's also three grand divisions within Tennessee and you have very distinct um distilleries in each of those regions not to mention there's only one right now that's on the trail that's in West Tennessee and that's Old Dominic in Memphis so it's definitely a huge challenge to balance those big legacy brands um, with those smaller, smaller distilleries. Um, and that's a big part of, you know, the challenge that I face is making sure that we figure out a way for everyone to work together towards the same goal, which is ultimately to promote Tennessee whiskey and, and the tourism around it. I think what's so cool, though, about a lot of our visitors, what we hear time and again, is that while they love going to visit places like Jack Daniels and the, you know, I mean, the showmanship that goes on in some of those larger brands, when you go to a place like Short Mountain or H. Clark, a lot of times your tour is going to be done by the head distiller or the person who started that distillery. So you're going to get to see and hear the stories from the guys who've actually done it. And I think that's just a really cool feature about our smaller ones that you don't get when you go to Jack Daniels. Because I always tell people like the Tennessee Whiskey Trail, and I don't mean this, it's not a slight, it's it's probably 30, 40 years behind Kentucky. And the reason I say that is if you think about your prohibition ended earlier in Kentucky, more distilleries were able to produce in Kentucky during prohibition than in Tennessee. And you had distilleries after prohibition that were able to start up again. Yes. Tennessee, you know, outside of those legacy brands, didn't really start distilling again until 2012. Right. Yeah. You had three before then. You had Jack Daniels, George Dickel, and Pritchard's. And so everyone else is new since then. So we don't have the the long legacy that you'll see in Kentucky. But what we have instead is that industry that's starting up that's in its 
um, infancy to a degree and is learning and growing together. And I think that's what's so exciting about it because you get to see it almost goes hand in hand with, you know, the music industry being such a big part of Tennessee's tourism and culture is if you come here, you'll get to see someone before they're famous. <laughs> so if you come here and, and you know, listen to music at the Bluebird, you might hear someone who later on will be a superstar. If you come here and taste some of these whiskeys early on, you never know where they'll be down the road in 30, 40 years. Well, the funny thing is I always tell people too that there's this golden age of bourbon that people talk about. Like when Jimmy Russell and Booker and Elmer T. Lee and all these other people that you don't know all got <laughs> I'm together. learning. But they were they were all the master distillers in Kentucky. And there was yes. a you know, there was a thing where they would go and get together once a month, hang out and talk about things and just kind of shoot the shit. And then they talk about what are the issues you're getting? What what about this? What about that? And I don't think Kentucky has that as much right now. You know, there there's a lot of big corporations that are in there. Tennessee has that in spades. Absolutely. And the distillers are getting together. I mean, Grains and Grits is evident of that. There's another time where distillers come into town for a meeting and mm -hmm. everybody's getting dinner. Yes. And everybody's talking and everybody's kind of being friends with each other, even though there are different goals within the trail. It's exciting to watch that. They have more name recognition for the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, but we definitely have a lot of potential here in Tennessee. I think one of the, the difficulties, you know, obviously is that they have been around longer, so they're more household names, they're brand names. Right. And Tennessee has a little bit of catching up to do with that, which is a bad thing. But at the same time, the times where people sit there and go, hey, I remember the day where, where you know, you could go to the store and you could buy Elmer T. Lee off the shelf and you could get Pappy off the shelf. Well, we don't even know what the Tennessee Pappy is going to be. Right. Maybe it's Jack Daniels Barrel Proof. Maybe it's something that Nelson is going to do. Maybe it's something Chattanooga is going to do or Old Dominic or you don't know. You're able to kind of see this all come into place before it happens. Absolutely. And I think the, you know, you mentioned the distillers getting together and talking. The camaraderie that you see in Tennessee right now is no, just. No, they all hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they hate and love each other. We're it's like a family. So you know it's uh, I was you know they're all a bunch of assholes, but there are assholes. Yeah. So we love them. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. No, they're they're all really really good people and welcoming. Yes. You know I think that's the thing is they yes. they take time to talk to you and nobody. I don't think anybody's big time in anyone. Even Jeff Arnett. You know, no, and, and they're all in it. They're all in it and all together in it on it, which I love seeing. It's funny because Zeke and I did a Jack Daniels barrel proof pick. I tell people that my favorite pick last year was that pick because Jeff, I mean, you sit there, you go, this guy makes the most whiskey in the whole entire world. Yes. He is the master <laughs> distiller for the number one whiskey brand in the world. He put his phone away. And he sat there and he had a conversation with us and said, this is my story. This is how I got to Jack. Told all the story about doing chemical stuff and, and like <laughs> actually having operations jobs and quality jobs. But sat there, gave us the time. And then when it came to doing the pick, he goes, I got all the time in the world. You know, made you feel like you were important enough to him. And you sit there and you realize who he is and what he has to do. And probably, you know, he's got to go on New Year's Eve 
<laughs> be up on the stage. Be up on the stage. <laughs> the the one thing, Jeff, I know he's not going to listen to this, but my favorite part about that, I don't know if you watched it. Oh, I totally watched it. Did you see when they called his name, he stepped down like he was going to say something? Yes. <laughs> And then he kind of went back. I just remember looking up and being like, hey, there's Jeff. What are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? Where are you going? They're just announcing you, you. Just wave. <laughs> but Jeff took all the time in the world for us in that pick and said, hey, if you guys need to blind again, if you need to do this, if you need to do that, like I want you to be happy with what you're doing. I also think it's the number of picks that a Jack Daniels does opposed to some of these other distilleries in Kentucky, they limit the number of picks. So they're not sitting there going, I have 18 picks like today. So chop, chop. come on, Hurry like, it up. You, you guys make your pick. Like there's, there's only, you know, under a hundred of them and where other places are doing 400, 500. They're just kind of like, take your time, do what you want. Do what works. And And that makes it a better experience. Oh, yeah. Speaking of difficulties, I don't want to stay in the negative. What are the difficulties? I know I've been rambling and people are probably banging down on the table now because I'm rambling. But what are the difficulties that you are seeing when you are going out to these people? Like, what is the biggest things that Tennessee has to worry about? So I think one of the biggest challenges we face just with the trail as a whole is how big we are. I mean, we cover the entire state from Memphis to Bristol. Um, and you've got distilleries in, you know, major cities like Nashville and Chattanooga and Memphis and Knoxville. But then you also have these smaller distilleries and even some of, I mean, our big distilleries, our biggest distilleries in Lynchburg, which is in, you know, Moore County, which is a dry county still. Two distilleries that are in distressed counties in Tennessee, uh, Brushy Mountain and Bootleggers are both there in distressed counties. So you've got each distillery has different needs and different problems, storage definitely being a big one. But the fact that we're so spread out makes it challenging for our average visitor to complete the Tennessee Whiskey Trail. So we're definitely looking at ways to kind of make that a more feasible option for folks if it's breaking it down into smaller chunks or having, you know, we can't necessarily split it up by Grand Divisions because everybody who goes to Old Dominic is going to have completed a trail. But I think finding a way to really bridge that gap between the distance that's there because, you know, I mean, I'm not even in, I'm the executive director and I'm not even in the same time zone as half of the distilleries (laughs) that I work with. So always having to schedule meetings knowing, okay, wait, are we on Eastern? Is Are they talking about Eastern time or Central time? I have to remember. But I think trying to find a way to really make sure that the voices, because you've got small distilleries in big cities and you've got big distilleries in small towns. So you've got to find a way to bridge that gap and really make them all work together and see that there's a common goal at the end. I think I've completed the trail, not got a t-shirt, but I haven't been to every distillery. Some of the distilleries have come to us. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it's not like... That doesn't count. It, it does. No, I've you sat... actually have to drive to all the distilleries. It's a still. It's a barrel. They put corn in. Like I, There I are amazing experiences at these places. That's what I've loved about. I mean... No, I'm kidding. I can it literally is. be the person to say that you can complete the Tennessee Whiskey Trail entirely sober, which is 
good because I was driving by myself all those times. <laughs> but um, you can go to these places and have experiences there without having to taste the whiskey. So if you have a DD with you, they're still going to have a good time because you can smell the mash and take the tour and, and hear the stories. Even like you go to Short Mountain and Billy's got an amazing restaurant. Oh my gosh, yes. There are other things in different places where you know you are right. I, I know I'm jaded. It's <laughs> a little bit like, yeah, you know, it's a long way. But if you guys want to come to Nashville, then I well, can say that I've... To a lot of them, I mean, if you think about some of these distilleries in these small towns, they've got really, besides the distillery, and this is where my tourism background comes in, you've got amazing food and assets around you, whether it's a state park or, you know, a place like Brushy Mountain, which is in the middle of nowhere to a degree. It's in an old state prison. It's the it's probably one of the coolest, you know, facilities that we have on the trail. Um, and then you've got places that are in awesome towns with, like you said, barbecue or festivals, or they're near waterfalls or whatever it is. There's something there's something there to visit in addition to that distillery. So what you're saying then is the trail might have to find ways to make day trips. Here's an idea, like little things on the website. If you go to Short Mountain, here's some stuff around there. If you go to Brushy Mountain, here's some stuff around there. Here are some things to do when you're driving two hours to go to a place in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely. I'm biased because I've worked for Tennessee Tourism for three and a half years, but Honestly, my favorite trips that I've had are the ones where I drive the back roads the whole way because you see amazing sights, um, whether it's, you know, the scenic beauty of Tennessee, which is just phenomenal. If you drive all the way across the state, you're going to see us change from, you know, one extreme to the other from flatlands to mountains. But then you never know when you'll stumble across some random mom and pop restaurant that has the best barbecue you've ever had in your life. <laughs> well, they all can't have the best barbecue, right? Right. I would. Well, you know, I mean... They've got something there. No, I'm kidding. I mean, if they all have the best. <laughs> they all have. Well, Tennessee does have the best barbecue. You're so. like uh, Buddy the Elf going in like, you have the world's <laughs> best cup of coffee. Congratulations. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> you should do that. Every time you go to a distillery, find a barbecue joint, go in and be like, congratulations. <laughs> You've made the world's best barbecue right here in Podunk, Tennessee. <laughs> I found one of the, the most interesting conversations was when we did the Father's Day at Little Arrow Resort last year. And it was Billy from Short Mountain. It was Chris from Old Forge. It was Stanton from Postmodern. It was Kent from Old Tennessee, and we were sitting there, and we were having a roundtable, and, and Billy had said, Kentucky is not our competitor. Our competitor is Scotch. It's an interesting way. I never kind of looked at it that way before, where it's not Kentucky and Tennessee kind of going at it with each other. It's the other spirits that are competing with whiskey. I would agree with that. Because then you get you know places like Buffalo Trace that fire shots, and I don't want to get controversial here. <laughs> But Buffalo Trace just fired a big shot with a, a little casket picture. Yeah, I saw that. That may have been my response um, that I wrote on Twitter there. That uh, that's fine. We don't want to be bourbon. We're better than that. You, you got a little keyboard warrior <laughs> in you? Maybe just a little bit. I'm willing to defend my turf. <laughs> it's a natural competitive nature. I don't like to lose. It still probably doesn't feel good. You know, I'm not saying like you have to feel hurt or things like that, but it's kind of got to be frustrating 
I don't want to put words in your mouth or make anything controversial. That's not what we're here for on Dad's <laughs> Drinking Bourbon. But you know, some people have said that they think it's a response from Buffalo Trace to Dickel being named Whiskey of the Year. You know, some people think it's because Dad's Drinking Bourbon said Jack Daniels Barrel Proof is better than George C. Stag. <laughs> I mean, one can argue a lot of different things, but I think as far as I hate this question. I'm sick of this question. I don't want to talk about this question. You are three months into this question, so good luck. <laughs> Tennessee whiskey versus bourbon thing. It's out there. I think it's definitely, you know, it's not a conversation that's going to go away anytime soon. <laughs> you know, I mean, I I love. I was so excited when Dickel won Whiskey of the Year. I trust that it tastes very good, <laughs> um, considering that I have not had any. I see it as this is a growing industry. You know, you've got a ton of states that are jumping on this whiskey bandwagon. I mean, Texas is growing phenomenally. Um, we see it across the United States. New guilds are forming and they're partnering up with the national organization to help get more legislation passed to make this industry more accessible for the people who enjoy it so that people across the nation can experience Tennessee whiskey, even if they haven't been here. And hopefully what we want that to do is then want them to come here and experience it in person. Yeah, Texas has a trail now. They do. They have they have t-shirts too. Maybe you could do t-shirts for like the different types of spirits. So you could be like if you go to all the shines, you get a get shirt. A shirt that says I shine in Tennessee. Yeah. And then like <laughs> this shirt was the key to my whiskey or something <laughs> like but I mean, it brings up a good point because there is the guild was formed not only to give craft a little bit more of a say against those legacy brands in Tennessee, but it's also what can everybody do collective. There are things the guild and the trail does like by doing trail only events where you don't have to pay to have a table. Right. A lot of people don't realize like these distilleries when you go to a whiskey night or you go to a whiskey event they're paying 500 bucks for a table and they're bringing their own product and depending who puts it on they're not able to take their product home right if i was a distillery and i brought three cases and i only went through one i should be able to take the other two cases home but it is a little bit about the three-tier system. It is a little bit about a whole bunch of other stuff that we could get into. Yeah, at a if different we wanted to time. get into the nitty-gritty, but the guild at least says, like, hey, we're gonna do an event together. You know, right now there's grains and grits, there is spirits and soul, there will be one in Nashville. Yes. The Guild itself is really so that we can speak as a collective voice. Um, that's why we have a lobbyist. Jill has been our executive director for the three years prior to me coming on board and really focused in on getting key legislative pieces passed that allowed our distilleries to do more um, and to really work and provide a great product for the state. Um, we've also had an amazing trail manager out of Blunt County, Kim Mitchell, who's done, she likes to call herself, she's been a great chief cat herder for the past few <laughs> years, keeping the trail in line. So I feel like Kim took a big sigh of relief when you came on. <laughs> I'm here to help herd herd the cats. So yeah, there's there's a lot of pieces that go into the guild and the trail, even beyond you know just the tourism numbers that we want. We want to make an impact on our local communities, whether that's you know the city that they're in, the county, the the state as a whole. And a big part of us speaking with a collective voice is showing the impact that Tennessee whiskey has, and making sure that people understand that we're a worthwhile endeavor in Tennessee. 
And a lot of that legislation that not everybody knows about, I mean, that is the the tax breaks that crafts get that are going to a national level. Craft distilleries are getting a significant amount of tax break to be able to compete with the bigger distilleries. And even you know, one of the trends that we talked about on our show in 2019 is I feel like craft distilleries have lowered prices finally, where a two-year-old whiskey would come out and it would be 80 to 100 bucks because that's what a craft had to be. Right. They're getting four-year whiskey at 50 bucks or things are kind of leveling off. And then you're realizing like, hey, there are places like Chattanooga that put out a crazy good two and a half year to three year. And it's 30 bucks off the shelf for the 91 and 40 for the 111. But then you have places like Nelson's Greenbrier that just put out their whiskey. And, and that's a, a blend of multiple years. And that's 30 bucks. And then, but they can't do that unless that legislation's in place. Right, exactly. So for instance, the big, the big one that we were fighting at the end of last year was the Craft Modernization Act that we needed passed through Congress. And because of what was going on at the time with the impeachment, it kept getting put aside. So we were really having to try to get attention to this bill so that we didn't get a 400% increase on our taxes on our craft distilleries. This is not a political show, but I was a poli-sci major, and I know a lot of times national politics does not always affect us. And it's really those state and local governments that are going to change my day today. This is actually stuff at a national level that affects us. And that's why our partnerships with states like Kentucky and Texas and why they're not necessarily just our competitors. They're also our collaborators. And when we speak together and say, hey, we all have craft distilleries in our state that need this break in order to keep operating at the level that they're operating at. And so that was one of the times where you'll see all of the states coming together and speaking with one voice and and not acting as, you know, competitors. When they're out drinking that night, though, that's where that's I'd really want That's where the wanna, shit, shit starts. Yeah, I'd want to be there to <laughs> see what happens there. Like, yes. Shampoo is better. It cleans the hair. Conditioner no. is better. Exactly. So you have this hospitality tourism background. What do you see yourself doing? I mean, I I know a lot of people probably haven't asked you because they know you're still getting to figure stuff out. But what is like the one, five, 10 year plan for the Tennessee Whiskey Trail? Let's see. So that is, um, I'm, yeah, definitely still working on that. But I think there, like I said, there's so much potential here that I'm Right now, while I'm meeting everyone and talking to everyone, I'm learning what are those opportunities for growth? What is the potential for us to look like in five to 10 years? Um, I think it's hard to plan even five years out at this point, just because of how rapidly things change in this day and age, especially technology wise. So it's hard to say where we'll be in five to 10 years, but I definitely think of us as a growing entity that becomes a national, if not international, recognized name for the Tennessee Whiskey Trail, and that we are just a huge part of the Tennessee economy and have really ingrained ourselves with our citizens. Because it's it's also a point of pride for a lot of these folks. I mean, if you're in a community and you can go to your local distillery and buy a bottle for a family member, or if your boss is coming over for dinner, I don't know, do people still have their bosses over for dinner? I feel like that's something from like the 1950s. Like, honey, the boss is coming over. But <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it depends on the type of place you work. I mean, I'd have my boss over for dinner. Yeah, I'd have I'd have Tatum and Jeff Arnett and Greg Item over for dinner. Yeah. They're good people. Yeah, I'd have them over, but they also would be the ones bringing the bottles. So you would also have to card Greg before you go anywhere. Yeah, that's true. With that baby face. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Greg. He always gets dragged around for the baby face. He has a picture with the long beard and it looks like a 12 year old that put out a fake beard for his fake ID picture. <laughs> I think we have a new nickname for him, though. Oh, no. What is it? McLovin. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, he's so McLovin. <laughs> it says your name is McLovin from Hawaii. Doesn't it say he's like 34 or something like that, too? Or it's something like a lot older. Like, it's not like he's just barely 21 or 22. He's like a lot older. <laughs> We have to go home and watch Superbad now. Yeah, it, yeah. it's good. It's it's good. Like your baby in your belly <laughs> yes. needs to get exposed to things like Superbad. <laughs> yes, some people are giving classical music to their kid. You are giving. Oh yeah. Superbad. Well, I mean, right after each time I got pregnant, we watched Knocked Up, of course, because great you've got to watch it. You know, it just is too perfect. Any movie that has Bill Hader in it is, is a is good a movie. Good movie. It's a good me. movie. Yes. I'm not going to let you off the hook too easy, right? Because I find it funny. You know, these distilleries have to plan out. When you distill something, you're planning out five, ten years. It's true. You're going to have to get on board. You're going to have to be able to plan out five, ten years yourself. I, I, why don't you have all the answers in three months? I don't have months? all the answers already. <laughs> why, why didn't you come in with all the answers? <laughs> well, so this is one thing that it's it's kind of a, I mean, you almost bring up a good point about the juxtaposition there is that it's hard to plan, you know, strategically marketing wise. Because I mean, who knows? I mean, in five to 10 years, who knows what, if social media will still be around or, you know, what will have developed in the marketing world? Will we all still be doing TikToks? I don't know. I still haven't got on I haven't TikTok. done TikTok either. My husband's obsessed with it, but I can't do it. I went into a Starbucks by Vandy. I was picking up my daughter the other day, and I walked into the Starbucks and, shit, I'm old. You know, right? like, I, I think we're at this point now where I still feel cool, but I'm not. It wasn't that long. I mean, I'm going to admit something that's just embarrassing, but I only recently, within the past few months, heard the term slide into my DMs. Yeah, don't be telling. <laughs> I've never heard that phrase before, and someone used it as like a joke, and I was like, "I don't even know what that means." And, and now I, now I do. Did you tell that person you were very happily married? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was actually somewhat like I said they were using it in a joke form, so it was like, "Hey, send me a message." Like they meant it as like, "Hey, send me a message," like jokingly, because it was a, it was a. I'll be honest, it was a woman. We were talking back and forth, and she was like, "Yeah, just slide it into my DMs," and I was like. I don't know what that means. And so like she explained to me and I just remember I, this is literally the word that came out of my mouth. I just go youths. What is wrong with the youths these days? That's like Netflix and chill. You can, well, I know that one. You can, but now it's Disney Plus and Snuggle. Is it? That's what I heard. That's the new one. It's Disney Plus and Snuggle. Disney Plus. I know we're going off the rails here very quickly, <laughs> but Disney Plus is one of the best things to come into my life. Well, we're both parents of, of toddlers. With a so. three-year-old daughter. Yes. Disney Plus is the best thing that I could have ever asked for. I just wish my son would branch out more because I'm really tired of watching Cars 1, 2, and 3 over and over again. <laughs> 
I skip past the first 20 minutes of Cars 2 when they have the spy thing. Oh, yeah. She doesn't like it until Mater is driving oh, into yeah. town. Oh, yeah. Well, because Mater's the coolest thing ever, apparently. But when, you, <laughs> but she doesn't like Cars 2. She loves Lightning McQueen. She loves a bunch of that stuff. But she doesn't love Cars 2. Like when Finn McMissile is doing the whole thing in the Cars beginning. Cars 2 is dark. Yeah, it is. Like, it's really dark. Whereas one and three are very, I mean, my, my son's, one of my son's favorite characters is Jackson Storm. So, really? which I'm like, he picks, he likes to follow the bad guys a lot. Like we also watch, um, we're totally off the rails now, y'all, but we watch Dino Trucks too. And his favorite people in Dino Trucks are the bad guys, Destructs. He loves the bad guys. So I, I don't know. He was also kind of a Grinch at Christmas. I also so. <laughs> watch Frozen over and over and my daughter liked the Grinch until she found out he was bad and then she doesn't like him anymore. So she likes princesses and good things. Okay. Well, my son's on the dark side and he's more on the evil side. I mean, literally this kid woke up on Christmas morning and I walked to the bottom of the stairs and was like, hey, Merry Christmas, buddy. And he was like, no. I'm going to call your son the emperor. <laughs> Chancellor Palpatine. Yes. <laughs> he's not JD. He's CP. <laughs> Chancellor Palpatine. So the only place to go for the Tennessee Whiskey Trail is up. I think this should be a regular thing as a state of the state. I think Yeah. as far as covering the, the Tennessee Whiskey Trail. And I love getting to hear the inside into it and knowing kind of what our challenge is, what kind of the outlook is, but how you guys are changing it. Because I'm super interested, just from a fan's point of view, to see the hospitality tourism side of it that you are going to bring. Yeah, I think that has been missing a little bit, where you have everybody does a tour, come see the tour, come do a tasting. And I think Tennessee has such an opportunity. We don't do anything normal in Tennessee. And we always put our own spin on it. And I feel like we haven't put our own spin on it yet. Like if I look at the Tennessee Whiskey Trail, I felt like it was made too much in a model of Kentucky and not enough Tennessee. I could see that. Yeah, I think there's, like you said, there's a lot of, there's so, there's so much that's unique about Tennessee. I mean, you know, coming from tourism, we say seven genres of music called Tennessee home. We have one of the most diverse landscapes. Again, if you drive from Memphis to Bristol and kind of going back to your point too, you talk about the fact that it takes, you know, our distilleries are planning products out for five to 10 years, whereas the marketing industry moves a lot faster than that. So how do you plan to market something that's not going to be released for another five to 10 years? The distillery industry is kind of an anomaly of itself because they have to do it slowly. There's no, I mean, when you speed up the process to a degree, it's going to wreck the product. They have to kind of keep that slow, methodical way that it's always been done, even as the world continues to speed up at such a rapid pace. So it's kind of interesting to see how to market a product that <laughs> moves slowly. Yeah. Um, and it's but it's fun. And I think that's what's so cool is it's 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 a worthwhile product. I mean, that's what that's why people love it and enjoy it so much is because there's so much time and passion that's put into it. And so I think there's a lot of ways for us to combine that passion that our distilleries have with all of the unique assets uh, Tennessee has. I think that's fair. I mean, I think there are so many tie-ins with music, with food. There's a lot of different ways people could take the tourism side of Tennessee and mix it with the history and the craftsmanship 
and the taste of Tennessee whiskey. You know, I could see tours where you're doing a historical tour and it leaves the distillery, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going into the county and you're seeing like, think about some of the stuff at Dickel, like the spring and how much that spring meant. And when you're finding a distillery and when those places were starting in the beginning, I mean, not everybody's built like Jack. And not everybody in Kentucky is built like Jack. I mean, one of the things that I find so cool when you go on that tour and you see the cave and you get to see where the water is actually coming from in the limestone. And they're like, this is our water source. And not everybody has that. There are so many unique things on the Tennessee Whiskey Trail. You know, I don't want it to sound like we're doing a big ad. There's no money exchanging place here. We are just (laughs) having a conversation. But I think as someone who lives in Tennessee, even though I graduated from Kentucky, I have a huge amount of pride for Kentucky. I have a huge amount of pride for Tennessee or enjoying both is not in conflict with each other. No. Well, and I mean, to your point, we don't want everyone to be like Jack. If every single distillery were like Jack, then there'd be no reason to go to any of them. Yeah. Instead, you've got ones that are in rural areas versus large cities. You've got ones that are in old prisons versus in the heart of downtowns. Um, you've I got need to go to the that, prison one. You've got to go to the prison one. It's super cool. It's actually still on my list to go, but I've seen photos and, and uh, talked about it enough to know, I feel like. Um, but then you've also got every, that's what's awesome about Tennessee too, is everybody's product is different. I mean, like you said, we've got the moonshiners out in East Tennessee, but then you've got H. Clark at, yeah, you got H. Clark's number one seller is his gin. And that Um, black and tan is good. So you've got, everybody's doing something different and is proud of a different product that they have. And that's what's fun about being in its infancy is there's a lot of experimentation going on and we're just at the beginning of it. Can't wait. Come back. Definitely. Four or five months. Yeah. 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 Maybe in a few months. I'll come to you first. I'll, uh, I'll be, we'll have a glass of whiskey then. Yes, we will. Yes, definitely. We will have some good old Tennessee whiskey or if we're drinking H. Clark, we'll have Tennessee bourbon. Yes. Or some gin. Or some gin. Or some main gin. Now, people can find you at TN Whiskey Trail. Yes. On Instagram, you can also find you, Sarah Beth Urban, right? Yes, just my name. There's no H on Sarah. So Sarah Beth Urban, just like Keith, but I'm not related. And I used to think it was Sarah B. Urban (laughs) for a while, but it's Sarah Beth Urban. Well, I've already had people be like, you should just make it Sarah Beth Bourbon. And I'm like, well, I work for the Tennessee Whiskey Trail, so it's hard to change that. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, we're Tennessee Whiskey Trail on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can find me personally those same places sarah beth urban want to let everybody know that if we were drinking today our glassware would have been provided by distilleryproducts.com distilleryproducts.com is the place i know sarah beth is traveling all around the state of tennessee and if she went into every single distillery and said hey where do you get your laser etched glassware i'm pretty sure they're going to say back to her distilleryproducts.com. I know that there are about four or five distilleries here in the middle Tennessee area that are using distilleryproducts.com. Whether or not it's Glen Cairns, it's We Glen Cairns, it's the Tua Glass, it is the Neat Glass, whatever it is, distilleryproducts.com has it for you. If you want me to hook you up with them, I am happy to do so. Please reach out to me, slide into my DMs, and I will make sure that I get you in touch with distilleryproducts.com. Sarah Beth, thank you so, so much. People can find the dads at Dad's Drinking Bourbon on Facebook, Dad's Drinking Bourbon 
on Instagram, at Bourbon Dads on Twitter. Download us wherever you download your podcasts. And you can find us in Nashville, Tennessee. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.